Blog Talk Radio. Assalamu alaikum family. This is your brother Ruben Mohammed, international correspondent for Elevated Places. Ask Dr. Ava show on tonight. We will be joined by Dr. Ava Mohammed very shortly and Brother Terence. But I'm calling you all from nine thousand miles away to open up the show. Now, very quickly, uh, call in tonight um, to speak with the hosts, with all the guests. Five six three nine 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 three zero six five. So once again, assalamu alaikum from the land down under. On tonight's show, we've got a wonderful show for you tonight. We'll be dealing with the dedication of Mohammed Mosque Number One in Detroit by the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. We will be covering a lot of national events as well as many international events. So I'm going to jump right into the show while everybody else gets ready to come on. And uh, I will give you the international report from uh, down under today. The most important thing that has been going on since uh, the 4th of July, the Independence Day uh, celebration of America and also our 89th anniversary of our Independence Day. I want to backtrack just a little bit. We've all seen the earthquakes that have taken place in California. Well, uh, the last week has given us some time to review events and uh, get more information and see the timeline that Allah has given. Uh, Beginning on the 4th of July, as President Donald Trump was um, in the Capitol uh, having the celebrations and uh, having the huge military presence uh, that was uh, on show, one of the things he uh, mentioned, he started dealing with uh, the space fleet and what a wonderful job that uh, the U.S. military has done, et cetera, et cetera. President Trump tweeted a photo that uh, it is a very interesting photo, actually, uh, on his official Twitter uh, account. So if you can go back to the 4th of July photo that he tweeted, 
look all the way up in the sky, blow up the photo, and you will see something that is uh, puzzling a lot of people. Because um, while most of us saw the, uh, the airplanes and the helicopters, etc., the photo he actually tweeted has seven lights, four on one side, three on the other, what you would call orbs, big balls of light. This is on his official Twitter account. And that's just about when he was talking about the mighty strength of um, uh, the U.S. military and the dominance and power around the world is when Allah let the first earthquake go. Now, we've had a chance to have the second earthquake and to go back and review the information. We've all seen the news broadcasts about uh, the, the, some of the damage and the effects and the live video camera feeds, etc. One thing I found that uh, the news, the, well, the main media did not mention was a uh, the exact location of this main earthquake. We had a 6.4 uh, earthquake that took place on the 4th, and two days later, we had an er- another earthquake that was a 7.1 magnitude. Now, that area that it took place in, the epicenter of both earthquakes, is actually located in a military base called China Lakes. So I'd like everyone, when you have time, we don't have a lot of time uh, on this show to get into a lot of detail, but this is a naval air weapon station called China Lakes. It's actually a dry lake. Uh, one, one of the white men's, what uh, I saw one of the sisters write, uh, dry lake beds. Um, now, Ridgecrest itself is where the people live, but the epicenters of these two earthquakes were actually in the naval air weapon station, China Lakes. The, uh, the, 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 the um, naval stations were actually deemed after the earthquakes hit not mission capable. What that means, and a good question to ask, is what kind of missions are carried out from this uh, China Lakes military base, and why was it not mission capable after the earthquake? Uh, Go to Google and research it, and you'll see that this particular area that deals with naval warfare is actually a very specific part and plays an important role in uh, what President Trump called uh, his new space fleet, dealing with extraterrestrial um, uh, attacks, what he believes coming from space. Uh, Nothing new with the president, because we know, of course, uh, President, uh, every president from Reagan, Jimmy Carter and whatnot, they've all had something and have all discussed about this threat they see coming from outer space. Now, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad told us this, this is not aliens. This is the son of man. This is the great mother's plane, and it's 1,500 baby planes. So, this particular earthquake, very interesting. The way it happened, it's very mathematically precise. One of the fault lines runs from northwest to southeast, and the other one runs from uh, northeast to southwest, kind of like an X marks the spot. So Allah was very, very uh, precise and gave us a lot to think about. Go and study it in more detail. See what's going on with this particular uh, military base. And just to give you an idea as well, um, of the land owned by the Navy is actually located in this particular base. So we have the numbers, very key numbers that come back to our lessons about the 85, the 10%, and the 5%. But uh, one thing we have to to pay attention to is that Allah is bringing his destruction step by step. Just when America is boasting about its great military strength, Allah shows them how easily he can bring this country down to its knees. Straight after 
the events last week with the earthquake. We had uh, uh, what they call um, a hurricane started to form. Uh, it became, at first, you know, they talked about uh, trying to name it. They came up with a name just a day or two ago. It's called uh, Tropical Storm Barry, which is now going to hit, uh, I believe, parts of the coast of Louisiana as of this morning. And apparently the entire coast of Louisiana, I just got an update a few minutes ago, uh, is going to be hit. Uh, parts of it have already started to uh, receive quite a lot of water. So uh, go online and watch what Allah is doing with this particular part of the United States as well. So we have been warned, and I pray that our people have taken the right precautions and, um, and listened to uh, the emergency preparations that we've been given to have food, water, and supplies, etc., because we should not forget what happened after Hurricane Katrina. The, the hurricane itself didn't kill anyone. It came through and put a lot of water and dumped a lot of water there. But a lot of these deaths actually took place after uh, the um, Hurricane Katrina had come through. So very quickly, keep an eye on the weather, not just in America, around the world. Because when the minister told us to watch the weather, what takes place on one side of the world has an effect on the other side of the world. So there's a lot of interesting weather events going on in Europe. If you can go on Google, you can see some of these and see the pictures for yourself and you'll see exactly what's going on. Very interesting thing has taken place as well in Israel. Uh, the black people, many of whom were flown in or brought in into Israel from Ethiopia, uh, the, the, um, the uh, Falasha Jews, uh, these are the black Jews of Ethiopia. There's been huge riots in Israel because one of, uh, a, a, black, a young black man was murdered there. Uh, and killed, and the people in the black people in Israel have just about had it with you know they were promised that uh, this would be the promised land, and all they 've had is apartheid and hell in this country. so go online and see what our family from Ethiopia is experiencing and suffering in Israel, and they 've actually taken to the streets uh, they're in riots and a few other things quickly i 'll come back to America. Um, Let's keep an eye on this whole uh, political event that's taking place right now with Alex Acosta and Jeffrey Epstein because we're going to start to see a lot more uh, of the machinations of uh, the international players and Jeffrey Epstein and others, especially from Israel and whatnot. Uh, many of, a lot of this was covered in the Mueller report, the FBI probe. But uh, let's keep an eye on this because we're going to start to see them being exposed and the wickedness that these uh, elite kind of people uh, do and uh, the activities that they carry out throughout the world. And I pray that um, we will keep our eyes open, keep following all of the instructions that the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan is giving us uh, during this particular time. And keep in mind that a lot of these weather events, we had the solar eclipse, we had the earthquakes, we've got the weather events here in Australia. It is winter and we are having winds. Uh, powerful winds uh, knocking out houses, trees, roofs, etc. Here in Melbourne, we are in the middle of winter, and again, very weird events taking place here as well. So go online, family, and um, have a look more online and see exactly what's going on. And let us please continue to follow the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad as we've been given by the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. So I pray uh, that Dr. Avery is, uh, is on. If you're on, let me know. And uh, we can continue with the show. 
Oh, yes, sir. Assalamu alaikum, Brother Ruben Muhammad. <laughs> Excellent report. I caught the uh, end of it. And you know, we just can't uh, get enough of the, uh, I, I don't want to say joy, N- not joy in the destructive patterns of, of the weather, but because any of us can get caught up in that at any time, but joy at the predictive power of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and the prophecies that are coming to uh, into fulfillment. And it right. just, you know, the joy of knowing we are with the right uh, teacher <laughs> and the right yes, leader. Ma'am. It's just a matter of us doing what we are um, supposed to do. And, and so I'm deeply grateful. Um, just getting on the line, I know that uh, we have a great show tonight, and I thank Allah for you, Brother Ruben, and uh, serving as our international correspondent and contributor in the, tonight as my co-host. <laughs> And I couldn't think of anybody more knowledgeable with more insight uh, than yourself. And we're not going to spend a lot of time or delay getting to our special guest. We have a very special guest tonight. And I was uh, blessed to be with the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan today. And one of the things he uh, spoke about to those that were with that were together with him that he also talked about if you heard his message to in Cobra at the uh, reparations conference a few weeks ago, where he talked about the importance of the elders having a healthy and loving attitude uh, toward our young people. And he actually cautioned the elders not to be envious of the youth um, who are coming up because it is their time. And we actually have a duty uh, to make a way for them. And even if it takes us the next 40 to 50 years um, for the uh, fulfillment of our exodus at least phase one of our exodus, which will be on this continent, where we have established uh, several states um, as our own, in order for that to be completed uh, over a period of a generation, we're going to have to start right now. And that entails uh, us getting up and moving and come out of this tendency to be satisfied with the status quo and to wait for another generation to do it. It is uh, incumbent upon us, it is obligatory on us to do all we can to make a way uh, for those coming behind us. And so we're so pleased to have uh, tonight with us um, on Blog Talk Radio, we're gonna be joined shortly by um, a young man who is an example of the incredible brilliance and drive of the up-and-coming young generation. And it's just about time for us, uh, Brother Ruben, to pass that torch uh, to the next 
generation, and we have to move into it. Yes, y'all should pass it on to me. Yeah, y'all should pass it on to me. To the oh, youngsters. my goodness. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all, we us youngsters need that torch um, so we can keep moving uh, and pass and, and continue the legacy of our great instructors and our great guys. So, yes, us youngsters, young people need that guidance, and we're looking for that torch to be passed. <laughs> But as, as I jump on this this quick call, Dr. Abram, one of the things I do want to stress, and I've said this on other calls before, whenever we're in a relay race and we're walking a four by four, and that that person is coming around that curve and they're running and they're going to hand off that torch to their that baton to their teammate, the teammate is not standing. Once that person gets in close vicinity. That person yeah. starts to take off running, so there's a smooth transition for the pass yeah. off. If the person is not moving, then the pass off does not work. So when we're Ooh, talking geez. about when we're talking about the whole process, then we need to make sure that people understand that if you want the baton to be passed, then make sure that you're in position to receive the baton, meaning that you're already doing stuff and people will pass it off to you because they know who to pass it off to because they know somebody else is going to pick it up and take the race on in. So we got to make sure as we're, these our young people are looking for that baton to be passed, you can't be sitting still because if you're sitting still, you're slowing down the process. So we give it off to those that have that spark, that have that energy, that have that motivation, that have that creativity to do the next phase of this work. And I'm just thankful, Dr. Ava, that I just literally left Philadelphia uh, with some young people in Philadelphia that was working and doing some stuff in Philadelphia, and I just landed right now in Miami. So you may hear a lot of background noise in Miami to work with some more young people to do the work across the country. But then after I leave here, Saturday morning, I'm not going to miss, since you had your blessing with the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, I got to get <laughs> my blessing and go to the national <laughs> training with Grandmaster yes, yes. Anthony, our student national assistant supreme captain, and Mama Judy and the rest of the crew as we get ready to get for the national training in St. Charles, Illinois, and we're going to get it on and make things happen. But I just wanted to jump on right quick just to wave at you, just to say hey to you, because I know we got to make the next step of bringing our guests on, so I don't want to belabor the time. Well, you certainly uh, brightened up our day, because you're (laughs) such a a key part of Elevated Places, and I know even if it's for a few moments, our listeners love to hear the voice of the one and only Brother Terrence Muhammad. So Thank you. I mean, how many people jump off a plane and step aside somewhere in a terminal uh, to do this? You know, and and I'll just say this real quickly. One of the things Minister Farrakhan said today in this little group that we were gathered, he said, you know, he one of the things that made him adore the Honorable Elijah Muhammad um, was the sacrifice the sacrifices that he made in the very early days 
of the mission. And, of course, this was when, you know, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan was a toddler. And when the Honorable Elijah Muhammad was running for his life from hypocrites, including some members of his own family, and the reason he ran from them was not out of fear of them, but he did not want Allah to have to kill them. But he was suffering such deprivation uh, to the point where there was a time when he was so hungry, he had to lean up against a light pole just to stand up. And he was sucking on the, the hull of a peanut. And he said, all he could think about when he heard that story was this man went to those lengths just to give me a word. And it it just penetrated my soul so much because no matter how much we think we understand this mission, and we all understand it better than when we first came in, but we really never can fully comprehend the extent of the love of Allah and his messenger for us. And now we're blessed to have their mercy in our midst, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, whose love is just immeasurable. But, you know, next time you feel a little down, if you're out there, not if you're feeling rejected and despised, just know that Allah loves you so much that he would come here himself in the person of Master Fraudred Muhammad and suffer three years among the dead and among his enemy, and that his messenger Messiah would go to the point of starvation and go to the point of losing his life just to bring us the truth that he knew was going to free us. So we we thank Allah, and we thank Allah for soldiers like you, Brother Terrence. So thank you so much. All right. Um, We are going to now... Uh, go to our guest. I'm I'm very excited uh, that we have joining us on the line uh, tonight. And uh, this brother, uh, Brother King Randall, um, my daughter Sherelle was communicating with him uh, on social media. Uh, prior to that, I think it was Brother uh, Louis Ali that brought him to my attention. But in bringing him on, I want to say that First and foremost, he's 19 years old, and he is a community activist. He is the leader, teacher, and guide for the X for Boys. It's called the X for Boys organization, and they are in Albany, Georgia. The motto is Let Us Make Man. His organization is aimed at recreating the traditional original man, the original man. And Brother King has organized several different workshops in his community for young boys and men ages 11 to 17. They learn such things as how to perform an oil change, how to change brakes on a car, home improvement, Replacing toilets and light fixtures. The purpose is to get boys into the idea of working for themselves 
instead of making someone else's dream come true and living their lives, building someone else's reality. They also offer family classes, which consist of how to properly treat women, um, self-defense, proper speech and etiquette, men's fashion, and how to conduct yourself as a black man in America. So this entity, X for Boys, is now starting to turn heads, and King Randall is the man behind it all. So at this time, I want to say to Brother King, assalamu alaikum. Are you with us? Yes, ma'am. Alaikum salam. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you. Uh, I am here with uh, Brother Ruben Muhammad, who's in the, which you may have heard in the earlier part of the program. He is down in Melbourne, Australia, and wow. we, we are very blessed. Yes, yes. <laughs> and it's actually Friday. Yes, it's actually Friday where he is, and and so I know that. Uh, Brother Ruben and I both are very excited to have you on Elevated Places because that's what we're working so hard to do is to help uh, build a future for you. And, the well, Brother Terrence just laid it out with the explanation of the relay that if the person you're passing the torch to isn't in motion, you've actually lost whatever you gain. So, Brother Tell us, uh, I just gave a little brief uh, description of the organization, X for Boys, but why don't you tell us, tell me and us, what made you uh, do something that's so reflective of a a level of maturity that we generally don't see in a 19-year-old, especially in this time? Well, um, I'm one of the, I like to say this and I like to tell this story all the time. I'm one of the young people and that I was blessed, you know, and cursed to know my purpose at a young age. Um, I found out my purpose when I was a a baby, actually, I was about two to three years old. And my grandmother, um, she never let me forget this story. And I kind of faintly remember the conversation with her. And she told me that one day we was riding in the car and she said that I told her that I was here to finish what Dr. King started. And so when we had that conversation, you know, growing up, um, she was like, don't forget what you're here to do, you know, and me growing up being a rebellious teenager and, you know, I'm just like, you know, I was young. I didn't understand what that was. You know, I was just talking, you know, et cetera. But everything in my life started lining up with what I was supposed to be doing. So I tried to, you know, I went to culinary school and I have a degree in culinary um, and I went to the military and all that stuff like that. And my grandmother was just like, don't forget what you're here to do, you know, and she just never let me forget. So um, one day um, I decided to take a break from social media. Um, I basically kind of like dropped off the face of the earth and I moved to Atlanta away from my city um, just to get some peace of mind. And while I was there, I started studying um, Dr. King and his words and, you know, how he changed and why did they kill him and what was he trying to do before he was killed or whatever. And um, so I was, during my research, um, I went down to his um, to the memorial, and um, one day I was looking at the memorial, and I saw this one newspaper. Um, and if most people follow me on social media, I have my handle as Emerging King or New Emerging King. And the reason I have that is because I saw this newspaper from the Pittsburgh Courier that came out on April 20th, 1968, that um, asked will a new king emerge after Dr. King was shot. And so that's why I get um, the name Emerging King from it. Ever uh-huh. since then. 
I have been moving and doing stuff in the community um, because here in Albany, Georgia, this was the one city that Dr. King failed in. He was put in jail here. He said he was never coming back. And this is the city that he failed in. And I feel like I have the responsibility of finishing and rebuilding my city and doing something that he wasn't able to do here. And so what brought me um, to the study group here in Albany was one day I was looking at um, Dr. King's speeches and um, I was trying to figure out what changed him. And I ran into a picture of him and Malcolm. Then I ran into a picture of him and the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And so I was like, well, what are these two brothers talking about? Well, how did he change after that? And so I came to visit um, the Albany, Georgia study group. Um, shout out to uh, Brother Aaron Muhammad. Um, which is the, um, he's the head of the study group here. And um, I started studying those guys, and it was on from there. And ever since then, I've been moving. Uh, I can't stop moving. i got to stay consistent with the community. Um, everybody's, you know, rooting for me to, you know, keep doing what I'm doing. And so um, I just it's just like I can't stop, you know, doing what I'm doing. And I'm, I'm loving it. Um, I lost my job, and that's what really pushed me to start doing um, more in the community. Um, I think I was planning to start doing things in the community, like um, doing workshops and et cetera, you know, doing a summer camp and all of that. But I was I kept pushing it back, you know, because I had a job. And so I was like, you know, I'll get to it here and there or whatever. But then one day I lost my job, and then Brother Aaron was like, oh, the white man finally let you go. And then after that, I it forced me to push myself to – start doing these things for the community and I haven't had a want since. So I think that was God showing me, you know, okay, you know what you're supposed to be doing, so why aren't you doing it? You know, so now I'm doing what I do and ever since then all the attraction, all the attention, you know, and all the boys, you know, have been coming. I've been making a difference and it's been really, you know, outstanding. I've just been loving it and God's really blessed me, so Well he's blessing us with you. <laughs> <laughs> and I understand. Are you, now you're a married man, aren't you? Uh, no, ma'am. Oh, you're not. Okay, I got somebody gave me the wrong information. I was gonna say you're really, <laughs> you're really doing things at a young age. Yeah, that that's something. It, it you could probably wait another ten years to do that. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> Especially as uh, busy as you are. And so what are your plans now then? Do you have plans for the immediate future at all, or are you just going to let inspiration continue to guide you? And I see that a lot of God has really worked in your life to lead you to the, um, the proper functions of wisdom. Yes, ma'am. So what I actually plan to do with the program um, is actually get to a point where I can get a business license because, like I said, I teach the boys, you know, how to, you know, do things around the house, fix on cars, and et cetera. And so with me doing that, um, I actually want to get to a point where people in the community could actually pay the boys, you know, to actually come fix on their cars, you know, fix on their houses and give them some money to make, you know, so that way they don't have to, you know, go get a, you know, real, you know, stupid job or something like that, you know, that pays little money and you working all day and night and stuff like that. So, um, I did that just because, you know, I feel like they should get some money for what they do, you know, and um, I feel like that if they can learn to make money from doing small things like that, you know, at a young age, they'll that'll transfer, you know, into the future. They're like, okay, I can work for myself. You know, I don't necessarily have to go work for anybody else. I can create something for myself. I can create something for my family and et cetera. So, yes, ma'am, that's why, I, you know, I think I want to do in the, the future. And then also, I want to turn um, my summer boot camp that I do um, into a year-round thing. Um, I want it to be like a military-style boot camp. Um, I do one for the summer now, but I want it to get to a point where 
they can stay there overnight, stay there for two months, and learn these things um, with no phone, no contact with the outside world or anything, and teach you the things that you need to know, you know, going through life, especially being a man. So just like, you know, they do in the military, they have you there for two or three months to develop habits. I can develop good habits with them instead of, you know, how to kill people, but actually how to live, you know, and not how to kill. So for two months, I want to turn, you know, into a year-round boot camp, you know, that their parents can send them there and they stay there, you know, for two months. And I want to send back home, you know, new boys. You know, that that's powerful because one of the um, things that, that has been done to us, if, if you look at our whole history post-slavery, several generations ago, you know, we were the people that built this country. And several generations ago, we built our own home. Uh, we did everything for ourselves. And now... We have to pay people to do minor repairs, and I noticed that reading your bio uh, about things just like uh, uh, battery, charging a battery. I, I remember last year that uh, my daughter, one of her friends, needed a jump um, on the car, on their car, and I was going to give them a jump. I ultimately did, but they didn't even know how to open the hood. Then they couldn't. Then they couldn't uh, uh, figure out how to use the cable, and it 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 just spoke volumes to me of what has happened to us. That we're buried in these smartphones, these cell phones, we are. and we just don't live in reality. And so, not only do we need to learn these things so that we can develop a trade, but to your point, uh, Brother King, we can just save money by not having to run to yes. the, the enemy of our liberation for every little thing. Yes, ma'am. So that, Absolutely. That's, that's beautiful. That is beautiful and to hear that. And what's interesting about you um, saying that is um, just the other day I changed a, um, a brake caliper on my car. And um, I showed the boys how to do that as well um, because my brake caliper had got worn out. So I showed the boys how to do that. And an interesting thing was I went to um, a barbershop and, you know, a guy's having barbershop talking. He was like, man, I had to pay $700 to get my wife's two brake caliper chains in her Honda. I said 700 bucks. I said I just taught my, my boys how to do that in 30 minutes or whatever. I said and the, the part was only about 74 bucks. I said they charge you $700 to change a brake caliper? I was like, you know, we could have came and paid me that or whatever, but it's sad, you know, like the boys, like they have no like around the house, you know, like nowadays they have no around the house common sense or, you know, how to at least touch a car or anything. And what's happening now is they're, you know, graduating and sending kids through that just functionally illiterate. Like they can't even read. Like I've been working with some boys and stuff. They're like 11, 12 and 13 years old, like literally like can't read. And I'm just like, how are you in the sixth and seventh grade? And you can't read or write. I'm just like, who's passing you guys through school or whatever? I'm just, they write like their text messaging and stuff. And I'm just like, this is ridiculous. You know, I'm like, what's going on out here? Like, nobody's talking about this. Like, these kids, like, literally cannot read. And it's sad. You know, I'm just like, I, I, I had to do something. You know, I just got up and was just like, well, nobody else is going to do anything. So I was like, I got to do something. Well, you're doing quite a bit. And what I'd like to uh, do if if it's all right with you, I'm going to uh, open up our lines, and um, I, I'm sure you're busy, but if you can stay on for a while, there may be some callers, uh, Brother King. 
that want to yes, uh, ask you some questions. And I can promise you uh, your presence on this line and the things you are saying and doing are very encouraging and inspiring uh, to all of us. So what we're going to do, we're going to go to the phones, and let's start with Brother Daryl. Get his line open. As-salamu alaykum, Brother Daryl. Well, like salam beloved. Uh, I was listening to our beloved brother, uh, as Brother Terrence, and you were saying that we need to pass the baton to our youth. Uh, Brother King, I have uh, been interested in cars from day one when I was little, uh, mechanic, disc brakes. I was working at Chrysler. I went to school for that. And what you are doing is bringing back what they did back in the day. They had trade school. And by you doing it on your own, we as the elder brothers, older brothers could help you in what you are doing to train our youth. Because, say, for instance, I have a, a 91 Chevy van, been sitting, uh, planning on restoring it. These are the things that we could give to you all and pay you, like some of the schools, to uh, fix on the cars, bring them up to code. Mm-hmm. And right. you're right about the brakes. Um, I got a 2010 Chrysler 300. And when I was in Detroit, my brakes locked up. And uh, it cost me almost $1,000 to get that straight. Wow. And it was, like you said, $74 for the rotors, uh, uh, anti-lock brakes. All the stuff didn't total no more than about 200 but they wanted almost 1000 to get it done. So I was stranded. So I had to come up with the money and pay that. But what you are doing, may Allah continue to bless you, and maybe uh, a number you could give, Sister Ava, and we could get the older brothers. I got a brother that's a uh, merchant marine. He's an auto mechanic. He's going to school now for heating and air. Uh, we could pass that knowledge on to you all because as we get older, you are our future. And we definitely need you all to be able to do what you're doing because uh, I'm jacking a little, what they say about all trade. I paint. Uh, I got a brother to do body work. So all of this could be passed on to you all, and plus you could take advantage of the uh, service that they have on a lot of the uh, people go on your uh, phone and pull up how to take a seat out the car. Uh, how to manually uh, unlock the uh, seat when the motor go out. And, they, you know, all, all this technique and knowledge that we could pass on to you all because you are our future. So I pray, Allah, if there's anything I could do in the brothers that has this uh, wisdom to help you push this boot camp and teach our youth so that you all could be the future that we need at this time because a lot of our sisters don't even know how, like Sister Ava said, don't even know how to put a cable on the car. And some of the simple things they need to know when they get in trouble, they're out there by themselves. So may Allah continue to bless you in your work and anything that we could do to help you. We are ready to help you in that area. And there's one quick thing, Sister Ava, uh, yes, did sir. you hear about uh, you? Uh, was saying, well, this white guy just got out of prison, and uh, he said he felt threatening of one of our youth. His brother was 16 years old, stabbed that brother in the neck, and he passed away. And uh, that came across my mother's phone. He said, okay, he said he felt threatened by the music. It came across the phone. My mother got her news early. 
and stabbed that. He's he's a young, beautiful uh, brother. Stabbed him in the neck, and uh, he this cracker just got out of prison. Then there's some more things going on that we need to be aware of. It's sick, but it's, it's a lot of sickness going on. They caught a white lady on camera, opened up some uh, Briar's ice cream, licked it, put it back in the freezer. Then they got somebody else. They caught on the camera, opened it up, mouthwash, spitting it, and then closing back up. This is the sickness that's going on, and and they're getting caught on camera with this. So we have to be really, really careful and where we shop at, and, and especially – if they opening up stuff that don't have a uh, seal on it, we should not even buy it at all. But this is the crap that's going on. So may well, I continue? Bless you. Yes, ma'am. But, but one thing, one thing I do want to say, brother Daryl, when I was talking about not knowing how to uh, charge a battery, open open the the hood. These were young men. Mm. Oh. And and that's almost it's that's almost unheard of. And Crackers are massive Wow. You know, yeah, they are saying. Uh, okay. You know, when all of us yeah. were growing up, that was just unheard of. That, that, uh, yes. At any, any brother at random, um, because mm-hmm. that, that goes to having a sense of control. And, and that's something a man needs to have. It's the nature of the man. It's, the nature of the black man, you know, to protect, to provide, to take charge. And mm-hmm. bit by bit, we've been deprived of all of the essentials of life. You know, like Brother King is pointing out, and we're aware of the illiteracy. You yes. know, not being able to read, not being able to fix something. Um, and then, of course, the enemy is is charging it, you know, for a, an automobile costs what a house used to cost. Yep. Yes. And and then they uh, they try to make it so you have to go to the dealer uh, yes, to get right. your car repaired. But they can't outthink us, and we can figure out how to do this. But to your point about, I saw that that uh, news story on the woman licking the ice cream, and and it just goes back to. We need to be among ourselves. That's right. We're just seeing it every day. Here's the 16-year-old you just said. He's dead because some uh, white man who's a criminal and who suffers from the pathology of racism says he feels threatened. And we've talked about it frequently on this show that it is a standard of law in white America that it is considered reasonable for any white person to be afraid of any black person. That's how they all get off uh, the cops yeah. on these murders. What do they say on the witness stand if it goes that far? I feared for my life. That's, That's it. right. You know, never mind you were armed to the teeth and the person you killed had nothing. But they are permitted to invoke a standard of law that doesn't exist in the U.S. Constitution, but it exists in the true law of America, which is the law of white supremacy. But thank you so much. And and Brother King, do you have a uh, number or uh, 
somewhere where you can be uh, contacted or if people want to help out? Uh, yes, I have a um, I have a line. I have a business line. Uh, my number is on two two nine 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 three two four six, and it's two two nine 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 three two four six. So that's my um business line. But um, back to what he was saying, what you was just saying about um, you know, us being a threat. Um, I try to teach my boys all the time about dressing up and, um, you know, dressing nicely and looking presentable all the time and having a clean cut um, because, you know, I have, a, I have a low haircut. You know, I'm always, you know, dressing in a shirt and tie and et cetera. And they always like, well, Mr. King, why do you always have, on, you know, a shirt and tie? Or every time we see a picture, you got on a suit or something like that. I say the reason being is because the white man respects clothes more than he respects the person. I said then you have to mm-hmm. also look at what they put out of us on TV. Like anytime somebody black on TV, you know, the, all the robbers and killers got to be black with the dreads and the pants hanging down, et cetera. I said, you can't get away from stereotypes. Yes, I would love to live in a world where people don't judge you for what you wear and et cetera, but this is the world we live in. You know, let's slap That's yourself with reality and say, I can't look like that or whatever. So imagine me, you know, I could be his worst nightmare in a suit, but he'd be more scared of the brother that's probably smarter than me with the dreads, the tattoos, and his pants sagging. I said, but the thing is, he respects right. clothes more than he respects the person. So, yes, it's cool to have your little hair nappy up, you know, nappied up and all that stuff like that and, you know, have it all twisted up and all that. I said, but then again, <laughs> I said, you, you're walking on pins and needles with that. I said, because he's already scared of you. I said, why give him right. no reason to be scared of you? You know, then you decide to reach for your wallet or whatever. Then he shoots you because he thinks you're reaching for a gun because that's all he sees on TV is the black man with the mm-hmm. twisties and the and the, uh, and the tattoos and the you know the pants sagging and all that stuff, reaching for guns mm-hmm. and killing people. So they already scared of you. Mind you, a lot of these people don't even come into contact with black people on a daily basis. But what they see of us on TV mm-hmm. is ridiculous. Like all these ridiculous shows of us, you know, like people think like these reality shows are so cool. And I'm just like, there is no black family on TV anymore that's functional. And if there is a black family on TV, it's either interracial marriage or it's either um, right. they have to be gay or um, the the man cheating on the wife, the wife cheating on the husband, you know, or something like that. It can never just be a functional, nice black family. It's always a functional white family on TV. It's always a functional other race, but it's never a functional <laughs> black family. Something black always, something has to be wrong with it. You know, so I teach them about, you know, dressing nicely and trying to look presentable, holding your head up, looking people in the eye when, they, when you're speaking to them, shaking hands, all that stuff, it, because it plays a part. And you've been a black man in America. You you can't afford to be second place. You have to be first, you know. That's right. But this guy said he was threatened over a rap song. That's what caused him to stab and follow them into the store and stab them in the net. That was so sad about it. That's, you know. Well, again, we need to get away from him. And what Brother King just ran down, which is it's just amazingly insightful for a 19-year-old to understand and be able to psychoanalyze the state of mind of, of white people. And this is why the Honorable Elijah Muhammad put the black man in a business suit. Because right. just like Brother King said, you know, whether we like it or not, the, it's all about image and impression. Mm-hmm. And when you meet people out in the street, they don't know you. All they can go by is how you look. That's all there is to go by. And at, at least you, not to say you're in a safety zone, 
but it does have a deterrent effect on on people's behavior. And so why give them a door to open it mm-hmm. and come into your space on these false grounds that you were they I thought he had a gun. I thought he had a knife. I thought, I thought. But mm-hmm. you know, we're working to get out of here, but while we're still here, our best protection is the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. But thank you right. so much, Brother Dale. Appreciate that. Yes, and, yes, and Brother ma'am. King, we're going to have you uh, repeat that phone number again. Uh, sure. You can do it now and then before you uh, go off the program. Okay, yes, ma'am. So that number is 229-999-3246. Again, it's 229-999-3246. Four, six, and that number you can call or text it. Praise be to Allah. So we're going to go now to Sister Darcel, who has a comment. Assalamu alaikum. I know it's been a while, been really busy, but I just wanted to share a couple of things that I don't know if it would be brought up. But uh, we really lost a really great soul Tuesday. His name was uh, Bill Freelon. His wife, Nina, is my sorority sister. And um, I just want to share that not only you may know his work um, from the um, National Museum of African American History and Culture, but he also worked on the Museum of African Diaspora in San Francisco and the Harvey B. Gantt Center for African American Arts and Culture in Charlotte, and also the Bulls, um, the Durham Bulls baseball um, stadium. He worked on that. And he was diagnosed um, with ALS, which he jokingly said, architect lecture series. And um, he was just 66, and I know a lot of people. I have not um, been able to visit the National Museum in D.C., but I am a charter member and just knowing that he worked on that along, he was the lead designer after the late um, Max um, Bond Jr. had expired, and also Sir um, David Ajay, um, he was um, the lead designer. And so I think that's pretty significant for our history, um, that people know about his lifestyle. And he was raised yes. in Philadelphia, and he studied um, architecture at um, North Carolina State University, but he built projects on A&T's campus and a variety of things in the country. So he's been, um, it was nothing on the national news about this, but he has been acknowledged internationally with his his loss. So, and also for prayers, because Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated is having their national convention in um, 
New Orleans at this time. So we know um, um, Brother Ruben talked about the weather and what's going on in that area now, but um, it's it's a lot of our people, at least a lot of my sores that are there. I guess the Essence Festival that's been rebranded as the Essence Festival and culture as of this year, because Say Moisture, who bought out Essence Magazine, um, is yes, now um, promoting um, the Essence Fest each um, Fourth of July weekend in um, New Orleans. They made out great, meaning they didn't have this weather event. But those are two things that I thought was very important to share um, with um, our people, our audience, and and, and I'm glad to share that. And also they have a North Star Durham Church of the Arts. That's their legacy project that Phil and um, Nina is responsible for. So I just wasn't aware if the word got out to Chicago about that or not, but I wanted to share that with the whole listening audience. That's international. Yes. It is much appreciated. Thank you, Sister Darcelle. Oh, you're so welcome. I like yes, them that's why I love elevated places, because our our callers really keep us informed um, and enlightened. Let's see. So uh, we're going to we're going to. Well, like Salam, sir. Oh, I was going to add, I was hoping Brother Terrence would. Uh, I didn't want to jump on any national news or anything like that, but. Oh, uh, yes. Right there, right there in Chicago, uh, Sister Darcel just reminded me. Uh, if you could please touch on, uh, I just got a, a, a notification that came across my screen, letting me know about our brother Munir Mohammed's uh, public viewing this weekend. Yes, and you know, and I was going to uh, bring that up uh, a little later, and I'm glad though now because okay. what. She was talking about the passing of someone. In fact, I thought she was going to say Munir uh, Muhammad. And uh, yes, uh, Brother Munir uh, Muhammad. Now he is very, very well known in Chicago. And and if you are in, uh, if you're a member of the Nation of Islam, uh, no matter where you are, you probably are familiar with Brother Munir, who is the co-founder of Crow, C-R-O-E. That is the Coalition in Remembrance of Elijah Muhammad. And he has uh, maintained um, a building uh, right in the city of Chicago in, in among our people uh, where visitors can go in, and it is in archives. Um an archive of much of the history of the nation of Islam and the work of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Um, Brother Munir also hosted a weekly uh, cable program in Chicago entitled Muhammad and Friends. And many of us in the nation have been guests on that program and the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan has come on the program numerous times. Uh, Crow was founded, I think, in 1987, and the minister has been its prime supporter, uh, especially through uh, providing 
his own uh, presence on Brother Muneer's programs and, and events that he would host. But he was uh, very well known in the city of Chicago and uh, worked tirelessly for years uh, to uplift and, and keep uplifting the name of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. And so this weekend, his uh, his body will be uh, he will lie in state at Crow, and I'll I'll give the address of it uh, before the program goes off. But uh, he you. will he will be sorely missed. Yes, sir. Thank you for that, Brother Ruben. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna go back to. The phones, and we're going to go to Brother Hoyle. And Brother Hoyle has a comment for us. Let's get his mic open here. Assalamu alaikum, Sister Ava. Assalamu alaikum. Well, Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Well, alaikum. Oh, it's been a while. I've been working and taking care of business and trying to get business back to the way it should be and buying buying uh, cars and cabs and stuff like that. So we have been real busy to say we're trying to do for self. So uh Yes sir. And, uh, and you know my son graduated too. He uh graduated and he's uh he's trying to, you know, get in the medical profession. So I've been busy with that too. <laughs> Praise be to Allah. So I got that for yes, a single day. Um, sister, have you heard about you know about Barry down in the Gulf Coast? You know about, about what Hurricane now? Barry Barry. Oh Hurricane Barry no. Yeah. Brother Ruth but... Yeah, it's a hurricane oh, yes, forming uh right and they say this is gonna be worse than Katrina. I was looking at the That's weather right. channel and it is very intense. My family, very intense. Um, it's going to come up toward Memphis. They're projecting it, and uh, and it's you know over the last uh, few hours, it's very very intense. Um, you know, we've we've been looking at people losing their minds, uh, spitting in um, in these grocery stores, and and uh, this is like a I guess a sick psycho trend going on. And I'm going to tell you another trend that's going on. In Memphis, they're not telling you. That's why we have to call in. We've got the most shootings. We've got highway shootings. People are shooting people off the highway. So uh, we've had uh, 20 shootings in the last two months, just random bullets hitting cars. Um, wow. You know, this is in Memphis, Tennessee, yeah. You can just be driving along and a bullet hits your window. So um, this is going on here in the city. But... Um, um, you know, we're dealing with so much, and uh, like I said, weather and earthquakes. And if people don't know, I want to let the people know that um, Memphis sits on a fault called the New Madrid Fault, which had one of the biggest earthquakes that made the Mississippi River run backwards. Um, its epicenter is in New Madrid, Missouri, and um, this whole area, um, northern Missouri, West Tennessee, North Mississippi, and Eastern Arkansas, and even this whole area is a huge fault. And 
and uh, just want to let people know that this is this is the area of fault. So if you're in the Atlanta area or North Carolina, we're in the earthquake zone too. So um, just uh, wanted to just and right quick, I want to read what what these earthquakes going on uh, in this latest final call, which is toxic black snow endangers poor people. So this is a powerful uh, paper. I just want to read one quick yes, uh, verse of the It says, Corruption has appeared in the land and in the sea on account of that which man's hands have wrought, that he may make them taste a part of that which they have done, so that they may return. That's the 30th Surah 41. Oh, yeah, the uh, yeah, Surah 30. And um, this is in the latest. It's a beautiful article. Um, on those, on those earthquakes. So we're in that time, family, and we were talking about white people's way of fire resurface. Fire resurface. You know, That's right. they're, they're So um, separation is our only um, saving grace, like Brother Lewis Ali says. Uh, how much integration can the can family take? So um, you guys have a um, it's good to. Um, be back, and uh, I'll keep you informed on this end of the country. And Sister Ava, you keep up the work. I'll, I'll let I'll be keeping in touch with you if you ever come back down this way. Let me know if you want to do Mississippi or the Southern region, and uh, let me know if yep. you want to come back down this way. You keep me posted, so we will help. I got more help, and uh, we're going to take care of business down this way. You got Mississippi, you got Arkansas, you got Alabama. Um, Louisiana, so, of course. Louisiana, well, you right, know, uh, you know, the minister mentioned Mississippi uh, at the Encobra convention. Right. At, uh, the yeah. uh, I was going to let you know, uh, Brother James, out of South Haven, uh, the minister out of Jacksonville, they've been asking. So I've been, uh, I'll get with you. They they want to set something up. They want to bring you to Mississippi real bad. Okay. And did you have any questions or comments for Brother uh, King? Because we got our brother on the line still. Oh, uh, uh, assalamu alaikum, brother. Wa alaikum salam, sir. Uh, you just all I can tell you is keep up the good work, brother. That's all I, I can tell you. As your brother, you're doing an excellent job, and and I just want to commend you and keep up the good work. I appreciate and, it a whole lot. Thank you, sir. It's your brother from Memphis, Tennessee, brother Hoya Mahab. Yes, sir. Nice to meet you. All right. As-salamu alaykum. Let's just tell you, I'm going to let somebody else talk, and, uh, and I'll be keeping in touch with you. And give Brother Darius the greetings. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I sure will. Thank you, beloved. As-salamu alaykum. Wa alaykum salam. Wa alaykum salam. I have a question for Brother King, Dr. Ava. Yes, sir. Uh, Brother King, I, I noticed you have a Facebook page, and I've just shared that. Uh, please share, uh, let a, let everyone know what your Facebook and social media uh, handles and pages are. But my question to you, brother, I had a quick look as you were speaking before of the great work that you're doing. Thank you so much. But I wanted to ask you a question. Uh, in dealing with the young people, um, are you able to speak to them about uh, food and what we're eating because uh, part of uh, I mean we don't have a whole lot of time now but and I don't want to take a lot of time with this question but part of how we got to where we are today is 
through social engineering and being mm. given the slave diet and the bad food and et cetera, and having food deserts within our communities where we don't get fresh food. And now, you know, we're having many of our popular uh, entertainers and others pushing or being part of this drive to push us to eat fake foods, you know, fake meat and fake other things. But uh, are, are you able somehow to speak with to the to, to our young generation about food, or is anyone doing that? Could you could you help me understand, please? Yes, sir. So um, I have a degree in culinary and nutrition. Um, I actually talk to them a lot about eating. Um, they don't eat any pork while they're with me. Um, I actually had um, Brother Aaron Muhammad at the study group actually teach them about eating pork, and none of them like to eat pork anymore. So. But I was telling them, you know, they was like, well, I'm going to go home and tell my mom, you know, we're not going to eat no more pork. I said, well, you can't necessarily go home and tell mom and dad like that or whatever. You know, you just got to, you know, try to shed some light, you know, on it. You can't just go home and directly be like, you know, oh, mama, we not eat no more pork. You know, put that down. You know, I said, you can't do mom like that. I said, some of y'all are probably liable to get, you know, hit or something like that. But don't do that. But I teach them a lot about food. Um, I have taught them about how to eat to live. Um, I have, you know, taught them about the navy beans and um, gave them some bean pie, you know, for the first time and stuff. And they was like, this pie made of beans? I'm just like, yes, yes it is. You know, so I do try to, you know, teach them about the certain meats that we eat. Um, I actually have let them watch a few documentaries on some of the food, you know, and stuff like that. And I actually have a, a, a garden on my land. I have about two acres of land at my home, and I actually have a big, giant garden um, that I've, you know, let them harvest food from um, plant seeds, et cetera. And they actually been able to watch their plants grow wow. and um and actually have them be able to um eat, you know, out the garden. Um, The last thing they harvested was cucumbers, and they were able to eat some cucumbers out the garden. I have chickens at my house, and they, they went and got eggs from oh, out the chicken coop today, you know. And so they're, wow. they've been enjoying that. And what I've been showing them is that you can feed yourself, you know, because the stuff that's at the, you know, store and stuff like that is basically no good nowadays. And they're noticing that the food tastes different, you know, from being buying it from the store and then actually being able to pick it out your garden and eat it. You know, and I had somebody go pick some fresh corn for them. They had some sweet corn the other day. And um, they was like, man, this is good. It was like, this tastes nothing like, you know, the corn on the cob, you know, from the store that mama buy. You know, this is real good, you know, corn. You ain't even got to cook it. You know, I was like, exactly, but, you know, I have um, okra, watermelons, and squash, and um, wow. red peppers, cucumbers. I have just about everything in my garden, um, and they, they enjoy oh, that, so I, I've been uh, trying to make sure they stay good on their nutrition, so I can teach them about it now. You know, they can't necessarily control how they eat in their households, but when they get older and stuff, they'll know that I taught them these things, you know, and they'll be able to teach their kids, you know, the right way, and maybe even shed some light on their parents, you know, and stuff like that, so... Yes, sir. I do teach them about um, eating a whole lot. That's very important to me. Thank you. Thank you. Praise be to Allah. Thank you. And yes, thank sir, you for favorite. asking me, Brother Ruben, because on top of everything else, he's growing vegetables and teaching our people how to eat to live. That's phenomenal. You know, yeah. and, and you're right, um, Brother King, you have to be careful. Uh, with family members, you're telling them right now. They they can certainly go home and say, you know what, ma, grandma, auntie, whoever it is, I really appreciate all the eating and the the food. But you know, I've learned some things today about the harmful effects of eating pork. 
you know, like you said, you don't want to come home condemning and all that, and you don't even have to connect it initially to our religious belief. Just start with it's right. harmful, and so with all due respect, um, I'm not going to be eating it anymore. Now, you're not telling them they can't eat it, but you're telling mm-hmm. them you're not going to eat it. And the, the first thing they're going to want to know is why. What is it that you found out or you think you know? And that's sort of a way to uh, sort of introduce the family. But once they're taught, and you're teaching them from how to eat to live, once they're taught about the pig, you know, they, they, there's no need of them having another bite of it, at least not knowingly. You know, so. Right. But that's great. That is, that is so great. Okay, uh, we're going to go back to the lines. We have Sister Ula, and she's been waiting a while. I, I owe her an apology. Sister Ula? Assalamu alaikum. Waalaikum salam. I'm sorry, I, mi- I missed your call earlier, and I had yes, to ma'am, I- backtrack. I had my feathers ruffled. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Yes, I was kind of hurt, you know. But um, Brother Ruben, uh, the hospital is known as the Women's Hospital uh, of Brisbane. Have you heard of that hospital? Yes, I have. Thank you for letting me know. Yes, yes, I know that one. There are two of them, and and, uh, that's one of them. I tried to text it. You let me know if you got, got the other one. But what I was going to say to Sister Ava, I went to a job fair a couple of weeks ago, and there were two young men there, and I told them what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said. I said, oh, my goodness, you you are the best. The Honorable Louis Farrakhan said that you, and I do this all the time. I said, he said that you are the best generation we have produced. So you only need guidance. You need uh the support from those in authority from either the Nation of Islam and the brothers out here on the, selling the paper. And uh, so many times these young people, are they are so uh, healthy looking, so different from the way we came up, you know. It, it's amazing how when you look at this generation, I can see why we have an enemy who is jealous of them because they are so healthy looking, they're very alert. Many of them have shared with me they won't even eat pork, you know. Uh, um, to the flight lieutenant, uh, go fly a kite. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but no. Um, to the flight lieutenant, keep keep moving. You, you're all over the place. So that was it. And Sister Ava, I was glad you did not make that show too because. I worry about you doing too much, and I was hoping you could take that day and do some things for yourself, maybe get some well-needed rest, you know, because when I got the the message that you wasn't going to be on the Tuesday night show, actually, I was glad. So with that and uh, my bean soup and my my homemade bread and others, I'm going to let everybody go, and thank you for letting me share. I did not take time from the program. They're having severe technical difficulties with the broadcast. 
Yes, and they're trying to, and that that's the program uh, that I started a few weeks ago. I have a show on. We we have elevated places in the lineup on NoOneRadio.com, which is a startup internet station. But they have uh, some technical issues that are have become very mystifying, and it could be anything from sabotage to somebody just doesn't mm-hmm. know what they're doing. But what mm-hmm, we decided, mm-hmm. Uh, Brother Shad and I, to do is just wait until they get that corrected, uh, because oh, yeah. the first the first several episodes we had a problem with the calls. Uh, people could not hear the callers on the air, and of course, mm-hmm. this is a elevated places is a call driven program. It's not mm-hmm. it's not a time people don't call in to hear me lecture for two hours. Okay, and then uh, then they got the call situation corrected, and the last week I was there, there was no audio at all. Wow. So if you uh, are on social media and follow me on Twitter, you'll we'll keep you posted as yeah, to when we'll yeah. be back on. But no, I I you know maybe I should, but I wasn't taking a break because we oh, we have a very short. <laughs> No, but we have a very short window of time uh, to get this work done. And you okay. see that we have uh, Brother King on, who's 19 years old. Uh, oh, and as you just as you just spoke of the youth, uh, they are beautiful. And, yes. you know, I was telling Mr. Farrakhan today, you know, he is a primary reason that our people are are regaining our own self perception and our value mm-hmm. in ourselves yeah. where we're, where we're not just accepting being black as a station mm-hmm. in life, but no. we are happy to be black. We love mm-hmm. having melanin. And, yeah. you know, if you, uh, I don't watch tennis, but I watched it the last few days because of the young sister, uh, Coco, I forgot her last name, who uh, won against uh, Venus Williams mm-hmm. at Wimbledon and went on mm-hmm. to uh, win several other matches. And she w- she's the youngest player uh, mm-hmm. to go beyond the third round since 1991. And to listen to this 15-year-old. She's 15. Wow. So to be at Wimbledon, which is like the pinnacle of professional tennis, mm-hmm. uh, it she had to be superior to even be there, okay? But at, yeah. at that young age, she was really there to get her feet wet, but she blew everybody away by winning. And what I loved is uh, she's that same beautiful dark brown that Venus and Serena are. Her mm-hmm. mother and father, who are married to each other, okay, mm-hmm. another uh, stereotype of us is that we don't get married, but mm-hmm. they're from Atlanta, and to watch her do her interviews and her parents, but the the greatest joy for me was that now – her role model is a black woman, okay? Because yeah. I remember when Venus and Serena were little girls out there with the little beads <laughs> in their hair, and they evolved into becoming world champions. And so mm-hmm. what 
by saying that despite all that has been done to us, we have achieved the highest levels of uh, superior performance in every field of endeavor, mm-hmm. whether it's NASCAR or the basketball court, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Whatever field of endeavor we get in, we're the best. And 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 so it's a it's a wonderful thing. But thank you so much. But my thank point you. is, I got to stay on this uh, because we got to get up out of here. Yeah. We have to yeah. establish a separate state of, or territory of our own, and that is a process that is going to take time. It'll be relatively fast. It's not going to take no four hundred years. Uh, but it's also not going to happen by Saturday. No. You know, so we all got plenty of time to rest when we transition. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, but I, I appreciate you because you also don't want to burn yourself out, and I understand what you're no, saying. No. You know, I understand yeah. what you're saying. I don't want to, I don't want to burn out either. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. But thank you, beloved. Alrighty. You're very welcome. Love you. Awesome. 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 Yes, sir. Okay. Let's see. We have Sister Aurelia is on. Yes, ma'am. Oh, there she is. Okay. Assalamu alaikum. Yes, ma'am. Um, Aurelia Salam. Yes, and so cause I'm calling from somewhere out in Indian country in New Mexico. Awesome. But I'm calling. Oh, okay. Yes, ma'am. So I'm calling about uh, one these recent um, uh, one earthquakes, and the current um, situation that's happening now in um, with New Orleans and upcoming uh, hurricanes. It's now, if you remember, uh, after the uh, Hurricane Katrina, the Congressional Black Caucus had invited um, Minister Farrakhan down to New Orleans to speak about what was going on down there. When then, as well, out of that um, came our video. Remember, in um, New Orleans, where the final call had took a team down there. Well, yeah, at that yeah. time, right, and so at that time, he had pledged, well, that the Million Man March, uh, oh, 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 sorry, the Millions More Movement, that we would be on the forefront to um, oh, actually train and to prepare our people. And also he had um, took a trip down to Cuba to also learn um, oh, um, oh, uh, how those people um, get prepared um, for hurricanes. And so well, there's videos um, um, that people can purchase through the final call. But one of the things that he pledged to the Congressional Black Caucus is that we would be on the forefront of training our people. And at that time, he asked me, um, due to my background, to continue to train the people. I traveled throughout the United States and and trained our people. We have thousands of people, from children, 
from adults to seniors to state to local to even government entities that we train people to actually prepare for what's happening now, even down to yes. the earthquake. And so, so, and so, um, one, we did that at no cost under the Millions More Movement um, Disaster Management Training Program. And so, any people or any um, one, um, is well, organizations who took advantage of that training and they um, won, uh, became certified to do not just preparedness, but management, to manage that situation, should really start stepping up to the plate at this time. Now, next, yeah. those earthquakes in California. I'm from California, and so, so I was there during the Northridge earthquake. Now, um, the first one that hit, that was a 6.4. And so Surah 64 in the Quran is the manifestation of losses. Plus it's been 64 years, right, that the minister now have been teaching, yes. he said, it was 64. That's right. Now, right, and so that hit on the 5th, correct? That was a Friday. And then the next day, huh? Oh, 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 sorry. Yes, it's so on the fourth. Okay. Now, if we look at seventy-one, source seventy-one is what Noah preaches, I believe. Correct? Noah. Yeah. That's Noah. That's dealing with the flood. And so that one one actually hit at nine nineteen PM. The other one, six point four, hit at ten thirty three. So now we're dealing with Jonah and the warning, correct? <laughs> and and one thirty three is the allies, which now we're trying to find our our um um actually to get together with during um, one this time of uh, one with separation. What um, the separation look like, um, oh, um, like you have stated, what are we using every day in our homes? Mm-hmm. When we buy toothpaste, one, well, we as a nation, we make our own toothpaste. Whose shampoo are you using? We make yes. our own, correct? Through our own yes. products. What food or beans are you buying? From the farm or yes. from the store? And so, I mean, um, how really are we independent? Because as these disasters come, and he told us after Haiti, correct? We're going to see those high magnitudes here. And now for earthquakes, this is unprecedented because this one actually cracked that Cascadia fault that lays outside of the um, one ring, um, well, one ring. Um, one ring of fire. And so this is the same thing that happened after the Japan earthquake in uh one went in well one in Japan. And so all faults are connected regardless. Yes, and so yes. that's why now you're seeing all this pressure. Now it's moving uh east eastbound now. And so um um, really, so I'm just calling to just 
um, say to all those who took advantage of that training that we provided for close to over 10 years after um, um, is what well, one after Katrina and um, one beyond to take um, to um, take that training and help the people because yes, they um, one they um, were literally received millions of dollars in training. We did not charge them as a nation, and many one of the believers from across this nation and their children um, took those classes because I one required children, young, old men, women, and children to all be present at those classes because um, one, so a family that trains together stays together. And so now many of these children, they're in their teens, I mean, and so some, they are um, 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 more, um, they're in their 20s and 30s. So, yes, we do have a disaster management program. But with right. disaster management, you got to be careful because your enemy can slip in and then change the direction to make it something that it's not. And some people will remember Minister Farrakhan did a conference call after Haiti and, and uh, told everyone who would be doing that training and that we had our own program at that time. And I was on that line, and many of the believers also – they remember that. But once again, when you go in, you have to have credentials. Well, guess what? I mean, um, when people got their credentials from our nation, and we are respected yes, by all agencies. And so that's all that I wanted to say. But right now is I'm um, one working with the tribal nations to get there together because we're going to need some allies because there's going to be some shifting of populations as it was during the time of Moses. And that's all I have to say. And thank you very much. And one, keep up with the good um, work, uh, all of you. And I'm like them. Well, Lake of Sloan, very, very timely, very timely. And and look at the, see all these things that are going on behind the scenes um, that now are coming to fruition. And Sister Aurelia is absolutely right uh, about allies. And, of course, the original family is not only uh, black people in America, but the native, what are called the Native Americans, and also the Latino, uh, who are really actually part of the same original family. And we know right now with all that's going on uh, with the borders, with Donald Trump trying to uh, keep out the Latino people uh, because the Republican Party wants to control the vote, and make sure that they stay in power. Uh, but we have to remember who our family is, not just the immediate family, but the extended family, and and be prepared because these uh, natural occurrences, and Brother Ruben, you do such a great job of keeping us knowledgeable 
um, of this very important, uh, these important events, because the minister said to us a while back, as you always remind us, watch the weather. These people do not control the weather. The weather is controlled by Almighty God, Allah. And some of these events, the more recent ones, they are specifically targeted uh, yeah. at, at certain, as you talked about the other week, the military base in uh, California that, that was hit not once but twice. All right, so we're going to go back to the phones. We're down. We're into our last uh, half hour of Elevated Places. And, of course, we we still have Brother uh, – I think we have Brother King is still with us. Appreciate you taking all this time, Brother King. And we're going to do that number again shortly. But let's go to our wonderful attorney, Sister Attorney Pamela Muhammad. Assalamu alaikum, Sister Pamela. Walaikum salam, Sister Dr. Ava, Brother Ruben, and Brother Terrence. Um, thank you for that uh, comment about, you know, that nice comment. You guys, you know, you say such nice things. But yes, ma'am, and also to the young brother, Brother King, I just wanted to say, oh, my gosh, I'm so proud to hear you speaking, and you keep up the good work. And uh, before I ask you a question, Sister Ava, I had to bring up, <laughs> after hearing you bring up Sister Goff, that little girl, she gave me life this week, okay, <laughs> or last week, because oh. I don't watch tennis. But, she, you know, to sum it up, they said her tenacity is what really was, <laughs> uh, it was, like, unbelievable the way she fixated on that that uh, tennis player, and she just locked in her and took her down. She didn't care how long it took. And she was so calm. I just thought, look at this young lady. And then her mama, you know, her mama was like the ultimate proud mommy moment. I just wanted to just give her the black power fist, you know, like, go ahead. That's beautiful. Wasn't yeah, it? that Wasn't was beautiful. It? I felt oh like God. all, like you say, look, all of the, uh, what do we call them, the shuttles and all the driving around, we take our children. I mean, can you imagine the type of work our parents have put in as well? So. Oh, and money, money and time <laughs> yes, sacrifice. Yes, ma'am. So my, my, my saying from that is that black excellence is can be inherited. That's what I'm saying. Wow, that's an example. Exactly. Yes, ma'am. But you know what, Brother King, I was listening to you, and especially when you were talking about the children um, having some academic difficulties and how you were taking the time with that, as well as everything you're doing. So my question to you is, um, you know, what is the mindset of kind of like getting youth to stay in smaller locales and cities? Do you see that mindset growing or is there no issue with that? Because sometimes I think everybody wants to run out to these big cities. I'm not sure about how big Albany is, but I was thinking it was a smaller city. And then also, if you could address maybe the, what you find as maybe the benefits of choosing to stay in the smaller cities or build in those smaller cities. I don't know. Well, okay. Um, well, Albany is, you know, it's not like a real small city, but it's a smaller city. Um, we don't have any, like, skyscrapers or anything, but it's, I mean – it's it's very uh, I'll say dead here, 
Um, Albany, Georgia was once ranked the fourth poorest city in the nation, and I think we're number seven. Like out of the whole United States, we're number seven. Right. Like, at the poorest city ever, you know, in the in the United States, and it's and it's sad. But um, and we have a lot of businesses closing here. Um, our mall has about it's not even a mall anymore. It's like a flea market. But um, I mean, it's it's it's, it's becoming a ghost town now. So it's nothing for the kids here to do. Um, our crime percentage was higher than Chicago at one point. Um, and that's not saying that, you know, it was as many, you know, murders or as Chicago, but what's happening is the, the people to murder ratio is higher than Chicago's is. And, um, there's nothing here for the kids to get into anything is, is nothing for them to do here. Um, so I'm, what I'm trying to do is Albany, Georgia is one of those cities that's rare where we have more black people than white people. And it's not a lot of people. It's not a lot of cities like that. We have about 77,000 people here in the city and um, we're 76% black people. Yet we own no major institutions here. Everything's owned by everybody else. And I'm like, how do we only own churches? We, we have 400 churches here in the city of Albany and we're the ranked the fourth poorest city in the nation. And we have all these murders happening. And I'm just like, well, what? I'm like, the God can't be here if we got 400 churches and this is still going on, you know, here in the That's city. You know, so we only own churches and funeral homes. So it's like you're just getting people prepared to die. I'm just like, we don't own anything. We don't own, like, nothing here, you know, besides, you know, maybe a few restaurants, you know, et cetera. But that's what gets me about um, our city. I really want to try to change that mindset, you know, with the youth here because, me training the replacement is what's going to train and change, you know, the narrative for the city in the future. Because I was, you know, planning to actually run for mayor of my city and um, actually, you know, get into politics and trying to, you know, get with that program. But once I noticed, I started going to speak at the different events and people want me to come speak here and speak there and speak here and speak there. But nobody wanted to do anything. And I was like, I'm tired of coming to speak at these events just for y'all to say, oh, you're saying something good. And that's yeah. it. No, we need to put this stuff into you know action so i took it upon myself i was like you know what i'm not running for mayor and none of that stuff because the adults are going to drive me insane because they they're so caught up in their ways but i can i can change the narrative with the the youth i can teach them the right way you know because if we are not training the replacements and we're only focused on the adults and all we do is tell the kids don't do drugs and don't go shoot people and this that and the third no you gotta you gotta get into their minds you know the condition of the community bears witness to where our minds are you know, and so I'm planning on starting a school here as well, you know, for boys, um, the ex school for boys. And um people get mad at me when I say we need our own school. They're just like, No, the 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 parents should be teaching this at home and the parents should be teaching that at home and I'm asking them, I'm just like they're like home is primary learning. And I beg to differ because I'm just like, Well, if parents are working all day and the student is at school ten months out of the year or nine or ten months out of the year, and he's there eight hours out of the daytime, and he's only at home, you know, awake for from maybe about four to ten o'clock, and he's sleeping. I'm like, primary learning is at school, so why aren't we teaching these things that they actually need to know at school? Besides Christopher Columbus and George Washington and all these other racist folks that didn't even like you, because I teach my yeah, boys about exactly. that stuff too. You know, I'm just like they're learning all this nonsense at school, but people get mad at me, and because I say that we need our own schools, I'm like, oh, we do. I say, obviously, looking at the condition of the community, what we're learning is insufficient. So obviously, we need to be learning something new, or whatever. So why get mad at me, or whatever? So that's why I feel like you know we need our own schools. You know, I train the boys, you know, and teach them different things that they should know 
you know, to go out through life. So the mindset here is definitely uh, abysmal. Um, I'll say that, you know, at the least, because like I said, you know, we're a majority black city, you know, it's 77% of black people here or whatever. And we don't own anything. We don't, you know, do anything major in the community. All of, we only own churches, you know, all the churches aren't doing anything, you know, and I'm not trying to, you know, say anything just bad, but that's, that's the reality of what's going on here. It's sad, you know, I'm just like, how can y'all let this happen? We got a black mayor, we got uh, almost all black commissioners, we got all the black preachers, we got big old churches, we got nice fancy churches, believe that, they're nice, big, and fancy, but if you look at the community behind the church, I'm just like, how does your church look better than the community? You got people pulling up at church in raggedy cars and et cetera or whatever, and your church looks like a million-dollar, you know, fancy place. Like, that's, the church is the best-looking thing in the city. That's ridiculous or whatever, you know. So it's just a lot going on here, Um, definitely with the mindset. And, you know, like I said, the condition of the community bears witness to where our mindset is. Yes, and you said oh, that. Go ahead, Sister Pamela. That's no, just awesome. excellent, excellent. Thank you so much for that. I'm sorry, Sister. No, no. I was just gonna ask, what it, but uh, Brother King, if you know what is the pop, what is the black population of of Albany, either either numbers or percentage wise? Okay, so um, we have uh, it's seventy seven thousand people here, and we are seventy. Four percent of that, I want to say seventy-four percent of wow. that. So we're almost eighty percent of the city, but everything owned is owned by white people. Now I hate to get on this topic, mm. but I'm finna say it. It's a lot of um in the book, the secret relationship between blacks and Jews. W.E.B. Du Bois talked about um Doherty County. Doherty County is Albany, Georgia. He talked about Doherty County and how there was Jewish control of the things down here. And brother yeah. Aaron Muhammad, um, the study group coordinator, actually, I actually had him go to one of my friends that actually print out signs because we had a hurricane and it blew the, uh, the nation sign down. He had to get another one. And he ran into the guy that owned the plaza or whatever, and he was Jewish. And he owns, like, a lot of the things here in the city or whatever. And I was thinking about how they pass down things generationally, you know, and stuff mm. like that and how we don't do those things because we have always been a majority black city, even when Dr. King came here. And he said, he was like, the mindset there is just so bad. He was like, he went to jail here. He couldn't get nothing accomplished here. And Dr. King said he was not coming back. And even Malcolm talked about Albany and how Dr. King failed in one of his speeches. I think it was mentioned to the grassroots. Order. But Albany has a history, like a big history. And I feel like, you know, I have that weight on my shoulders to fix it or whatever, you know. So I walk away with a little weight on my shoulders or whatever, but I don't care. You know, it is what it is. I got to do what I got to do. You know, and so, you know, they take care of me, you know, um, the brothers in the nation, they take care of me here or whatever, and they make sure they come to, you know, my speeches and stuff like that and try to make sure I'm taken care of and Beautiful. stuff like that, and I, I love them for that. Praise you. Awesome. Well, uh, yes, yes, thank you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. My God. Thank you, Sister Pamela. That 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 was a little uh, education we got right there. <laughs> about uh, Albany, Georgia, and you know it's interesting because in the movie uh, the Green Book uh, about the the uh, genius, the artist, musician Don Shirley, who traveled into the Deep South in the early '60s uh, and had a Caucasian show for him, and it's a very powerful story and a true story. Uh, Minister Farrakhan knew him. 
knew Don Shirley, but to make a long story short, one of the, it's interesting because, you know, segregation was still king down there. For, sorry to use your name. And they, the, Don Shirley was a man very affluent, very well off because of his uh, musical career. And he and this white guy were walking down the street in Albany, Georgia. And wow. all these white people were they were stopping to stare at them like, Oh my god and they walked in a men's clothing store and uh Don Shirley, the brother, was looking at a suit in the window, so his white uh escort said, Why don't you go in there and try it on? 'Cause they're they're from New York, okay, so they coming down there and they they go in the store and the white guy uh, the the store the salesperson came right to the white man and when the brother picked up a suit the the white sales clerk was startled and when the brother said I'd like to buy this or no he said I'd like to uh, try it on he said oh no sir you cannot try that suit on and he said you can buy it and then after you buy it we can alter it for you, but, you know, we don't allow it because that was during the time when, you know, so-called Negroes were not allowed to try on clothes in department stores. But that was Albany, Georgia. <laughs> wow. And it's, that- it's crazy how we have a, a – we still have a big, like, history here in Albany that a lot of people don't know about. Like, we have certain buildings that are abandoned here. And all been in that we, you know, people are like, why don't y'all tear the eyesore down? But a lot of people don't know, like, we have a lot of old slave stuff here in Albany still. Like, one of the buildings here that, that nobody uses, nobody will tear down is where they used to do the slave auctions at. And we also have downtown um, in Albany, we have underground um, tunnels um, at certain places, um, like the plaza that the Jewish man owns. If um you go underground there, they have they just closed it off not too long ago because people were running into it. But they still have old slave holding cells where they used to sneak slaves, you know, through tunnels under the ground. And we still have that stuff here in Albany, but people don't know about it because of course it's not talked about. But um one of my friends owns a barbershop in one of those plazas, and he was like, down in my basement is one of the doors. He was like, but they they closed it shut or whatever. But he was like, it's tunnels all up and under the city or whatever that they used to run. You know, the slaves through, and a few people have been there, you know, and actually seen, you know, the chains and the, um, you know, the um, holding cells and stuff like that. But um, they used to use the Flint River and stuff like that. So um, we have a big, like I said, we have a big history in small Albany, Georgia. A lot of civil rights leaders have come through here. Um, a lot of stuff has happened here, but nobody yes. seemed to succeed. But I told you I found out my purpose, you know, when I was a child, and, you know, I think the yeah. minister said a, a baby will tell you, you know, his purpose, whether verbally or non-verbally, but he's going to tell you his purpose by, before he, you know, becomes a, a older. You know, I heard the minister say that in a, a lecture one time, and so that's when I heard him say that, you know, I couldn't help but, you know, give in to what my grandmother kept saying about that. So i just been moving, you know, in my purpose, and ever since I've been moving, you know, with my purpose, you know, blessings have been coming, you know, from everywhere. You know, so I, that's how I know I'm doing something right. And, of course, you know, I have, you know, the backlash or whatever. I know I ain't doing nothing right unless some of our people calling, you know, on me. Like somebody calling right, my, exactly. my summer camp 
or whatever, and somebody called on my summer camp and a marshal showed up, you know, to my uh, home or whatever and was asking. He was like, I heard you're, somebody complained that you're running a summer camp or something. I was like, yes, I am. And he was like, well, he was like, do you have the proper business license and stuff? I'm like, yes, I do, or whatever. He was like, okay, we just had to make sure you had a proper business license because somebody come, called to complain about your camp. I'm like, who would call and complain about this camp? Like, I'm just like, like nobody is not bothering anybody, you know, but oh of course it was one God. of us. Yeah, it was one of us, so it was always a lot of stuff going on. Always. Okay, we're coming down. We're winding down, so we're going to try to get these last few callers in let them make their comments or questions. And we've got Brother Ivan who's been waiting. Also, I'm Brother Ivan. Wow, Lakeham Salam. How's everybody doing? Oh, we're fine. Good. How are you doing? Fine. Oh, I'm doing, uh, well, you know, um, one day at a time, uh, Sister Ava. Um, yes, sir. I understand. I'm, I'm, I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing a lot better. Um, you know, having a, having a strong mother to give me good advice, and you know, and just working every day. Um, you know, I thank a lot for everything. I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. You know, it's coming up on our would have been our third next Saturday. Would have been our third anniversary, and so uh, I'm going there to, um, you know, these damn, excuse me, these devils. They don't allow you to buy a tombstone outside of them. So I got, I can't bring in nothing from my outside vendor. So I'm going to go visit her grave, uh, on wow. the next Saturday. Yes. Uh, in yes. Connecticut and get with and get with the children. If inshallah, but I called because I wanted to say something to the young brother King brother. I want to say to you, man, I'm, I, I have five young men who work for me and I'm going to tell you something, brother. I thank a lot for what you're doing because, I'm at least 20 years older than everybody that works for me. And it is very hard when you have young men that haven't had a man or men in their lives to help mm. them be men and do just the basic essentials of what it takes yes. to be a man. So, brother, what I'm telling I just want to encourage you, brother. Keep doing what you're doing. And, and I'm telling you, man, you are doing something far more valuable than what I think you realize. Because what you're doing, man, is you're helping young men become men, but you also are helping young ladies in the future have men that will be worth their time, you see. And and so I I thank you for that because, you know, I I got some good young men who work for me, but I find myself fathering more than I do being a supervisor or a business owner sometimes Mm -hmm. because they haven't – two of them are like – one of them is 29 – and the other one is 27. And I'm telling you, it's like I, I don't I don't give up on anybody because I, I was a knucklehead once upon a time myself. But it's very hard when a young man has not been taught man stuff. It's yes. difficult. And, you know, I'm 52, so my patience is not like it used to be. But I have to remember somebody took time with me. But, brother, I just, man, I'm telling you, to hear you, it just boosts my spirit to hear a young man like you Man, just keep doing what you're doing. I pray to Allah for your protection. And keep doing yes. what you're doing, brother. That's all I want to say, brother. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it a whole lot. I really do. And I'm glad, you know, you said what you said because um, it's just like we just lack the, the the simple things, you know, and I was able to have a – I was glad to have a stepdad that actually taught me, you know, a lot of things. And even my boys today, you know, I tell them to take advantage of things you know, in the technology that we have nowadays, because sometimes they ask me questions about how to do stuff. And I tell them, I'm like, you use your phone all day. 
I said, a lot of the stuff that I learned how to do, I learned how to do it on YouTube. You can get on YouTube to watch mm-hmm. 20 videos, sports videos. You can get on YouTube and learn how to code. You can get on YouTube, learn how to weld. You can get on YouTube, learn how to fix on your car, rebuild an engine, all that stuff. I'm just like, you can use this technology to your advantage and not just be on there, yeah. you know, doing you know, right. little things. All the day. You know, and even with um, you talking about the women, you know, I just thought about um, the 4th of July my little brother wanted to go watch the fireworks. And so we went out, you know, here in Albany. And, you know, of course, all the girls were dressed all, you know, naked and all that stuff like that. And they were allowing, you know, random men to touch on them and stuff like that. And I'm just like, you see that? That's no knowledge of self. You know, you see that, right? And he's just like, you know, ain't no women to pick from. I said, that's because of the condition of the man. I said, he has no standard no more. I said, so if he has no standard, they see that they don't have to present themselves a certain way. I said, but once I raise you up, and she wants, she needs a man. If I have raised all the men in the community, they'll have no choice but to raise themselves because the woman naturally follows the man. I said, so the condition of our woman is our fault, you know, whatever. I said, because we have allowed her, you know, to get like that. And I think um, the Muhammad <laughs> Muhammad said, you know, every no good woman was made by a no good man. I think that was him that said that. Yeah, so I was like, you know, that's why, you know, I feel like I just work with boys. So people always ask, why you don't work with girls? I'm like, for one, I'm 19, and I'm not going to have no little girls, you know, say I touch them or anything like that, for one. And for two, I said, I don't really have to worry about the girls. I said, because the boys that I'm raising, they got to come marry. I said, they got to marry these boys, and they're going to raise them, you know, whatever. I said, they're going to bring the guy, you know, out of that woman, you know, so I don't necessarily have to work with the girls. And secondly, Girls have, a, you know, I'm not saying anything, but girls have enough programs. You know, they have a lot of girls' programs here in Albany and stuff. Girls have more than enough to do. I'm like, the boys need something because school is not doing it for them. And, you know, I don't believe in playing football. That's just me. I, I, don't, I don't like football. I feel like it's barbaric or whatever. But, you know, I used to play, but once I understood it, I'm just like, this is a barbaric sport. Like, why would we beat ourselves up like that? But, of course, you know, people still play, so I don't mind, you know, them, but – I don't necessarily see that as just some a kid saving grace. Like they need to be taught still because they're not gonna necessarily just make it. Only um it's like one percent of high schoolers, you know, can make it to the NFL. It's only a few hundred NFL players, but it's a million yeah. of y'all that wanna play football. You know, you have a better chance of being struck by lightning than making it to the NFL and that's an actual fact. Right. You know, I'm just like that's I said we need to, you know, teach them something different, you know, and teach them a different way to go and not just play football, play sports, and get out of the city. No, rebuild your city. Come back, you know, and do something, you know, nice for the city. Not just come back in your Bentley and all that stuff and, you know, show all your accolades that you got to then leave again. Like, look at the condition of the city. It's, it's sad. And we've had a few, you know, Super Bowlers come out of our city, and they'll come back when they win a Super Bowl and have a little parade through town with their little Rolls Royces and stuff and leave. You know, and I don't appreciate that. And, man, sometimes they'll come and do football camps and charge, like, three and $400 for that camp. I'm just like, this is ridiculous. I'm like, you come from here, you know. And some of y'all I went to school with. We were like, one of the guys that went to the NFL, I went to school with him, and he comes and charged, like, four and $500 for camp and stuff like that. I'm just like, what? I'm like, you haven't even come back, you know, to do anything for the community or anything, you know, and not necessarily saying you have to, but, Jesus, you know, why are you charging, you know, arm and a leg, and, you know, we can barely afford you know, here in Albany, because Albany is very poor, you know, and a lot of people here, it's just, it's just a poor city, you know, so some of the stuff I just look at, you know, I just I just keep on moving. I don't talk bad about anybody. I don't talk down or anything. I just keep doing what I need yes, to do. Sir. Keep trying to raise, you know, the black man here and change his condition of his mind. So That's right. 
Oh, that's excellent. And I, I love what Brother Ivan brought up and you reiterated that, you know, you're not only making men who can go out here and make a way for themselves, you're making you're making husbands for these young sisters who right now, uh, th- this is a bad situation on both sides. But that's mm-hmm. another very uh, real, practical, and crucial outcome of this type of training because a man, uh, the the desire or urge to take a partner for marriage is dormant in the male. It only becomes activated when he engages in something that requires a helpmate, a helpmeet. Right. That's what that's the woman's role. But if he doesn't have any goals or objectives, that urge to be married remains dormant. And mm-hmm. and we see the the outcome of that in the black community. But let's run to uh get these last couple calls in. Let's get Brother Rockman. He has a comment. Brother Rockman, Assalamu alaikum. Walaikum and uh Thank you for taking my call, and thank you for your guests and oh, all the great things you do. I listen to you periodically. But I just want to make a statement uh, <clears throat> that this is what I've been in the nation for a little while, and I've been observing some things. I'm a senior citizen. I did a few things in my life by the grace and the blessings of Almighty God alone. And I know there are other senior brothers and sisters. But what I see with across the nation through the minds, a lot of believers, they don't tap into the, the knowledge, the experience, the life experiences for the older Muslims. And so in my life, there's no way I can live to be as old as I've lived and haven't learned things, haven't made mistakes. So my mistakes is a learning process too. You know, those things that I've done is a learning process. Minister Farah kind of told me once years ago, he said, brother, your life experience can help me. So when we, who I know quite a few brothers all across the country, we want to help the younger believers. We want to give that which God bless us to give. For some reason, many of them just reject it. Like, oh, you're just an old man or old sister. They don't know anything. But we can help them solve many of problems because we've been, we have gone through a lot of things in our life. I've had a lot of business. I've had a lot of licenses and all that. And I've had that to share and to give to anyone, but specifically Muslims who have suffered, who believe, who sacrificed to help build this great nation. I'm not going through that. And, you know, I, I, I was in the mosque under the most honorable Muhammad. I've seen war being come in. I've seen the nation just, you know, tore apart. I, I got with Minister Parkham when he first came back. I know Minister Akbar very well. He's a good friend of mine. And so for me to have gone through all that and experience that and then take what I know to my grave. It doesn't make sense. Yes. For you to come back and try to reinvent the wheel when the wheel has already been invented. Well, we want to move forward. Not go backwards. We want to go forward. I was just telling the brother well, today. Go ahead. Yes, I'm sir. Sorry. No, I, I mean, your point is, is so crucial. Uh, and, and this is by design. You know, I know we, we, we didn't have a generation gap. Uh, before slavery, we didn't have a generation gap when we were in segregation. It's this integration. 
and mixing with white people and taking on their value system. You know, and, and America does not have respect or feel the need to learn from the elders and from the wise. You know, white people are on a short leash, on a short clock, and they actually resent the way black people pass on knowledge from generation to generation. That's why we're trying to do things like tonight. You know, and you see where Brother King is on, and he's sharing knowledge, but he's also gaining knowledge. And, uh, you know, if we don't do that, you know, I'm an elder myself now, and I run into that sometimes where you, you're you dismissed. People are dismissive of you, you know, you know and, and you said it. Why reinvent the wheel? Listen, let me say this before I close. I'm from Detroit, okay? And so yes, what's going on in Detroit, the European has taken that down. And I'm out here in Arizona, but I'm communicating with people in Detroit because my license is in Detroit, and I'm out here too. And so yes, they are moving in different areas in Detroit, and they are taking it over like they took America over, you know, by inch by inch, day by day. Right. It's not like overnight success. It's not an overnight achievement, but they have a master plan. And we sit back watching them work out his plan, and we don't have a plan. I could be a part of a puzzle, a piece of the part of the puzzle, but we try to pick the piece that we want to go to the puzzle. And so that's yes, one of our problems. That's what I see. Because we don't like a person's attitude or my demeanor or how I look. It's not about that. It's about what I can contribute to the puzzle. That's the key that's right there. And the minister of Farrakhan, he'd be preaching that for years and years yes, and years. You know, and it just breaks my heart to hear him say that. And look, how long do you think it would take for a Jewish man to be taught who his enemy is? One time. That's, that's it. Right. One time. Thank you. Yes, so, sir. But look, let me go. I'm sorry. I'll get started. Okay, tell I'll let you know. No, but your, your point is well taken and needs to be driven home. And I, I appreciate you calling in and reminding us. But again, this, this is why we've got to get away from these people because we are acting other than ourselves. So I must say, uh, and, and thank you, Brother uh, Rockman, for that call. But I, I got to say, uh, I'm encouraged because Brother King is here. You know, he's, he's on the line. He's uh, doing this great work. He's taking time uh, to come on elevated places. We all just got a very powerful... Uh, lesson on uh, Albany, Georgia, and as we contemplate uh, taking a vote on separation, and the minister is talking about eight states, um, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said we we want eight to ten states uh, that we can settle in, and we'll talk more about that in the coming weeks. We just had a very successful um town hall meeting on separation in Philadelphia. Uh, We had 400 people out, and it was uh, covered in the current issue of the final call. And I think, Brother King, we're probably going to need to have a town hall meeting on separation in Albany, Georgia, Uh, really shake up these Negroes. Oh, yeah. Now, now most people here know that I'm for separation. Um. 
And one yeah. of the community activists one day, she had come and she was like, well, that's stupid. She was like, you know, there's no need for that and, you know, et cetera. But um, mm-hmm. one day, um, when, speaking of what the brother was saying um, about Hitler and the Jews or whatever, um, I had an interview with this um, white gentleman or whatever. Um, he donates to the um, program and stuff like that. And um, I had an interview with him because he, he thought that my comment on this subject was actually important because they had a big discussion. Um, there's this group on Facebook page, but it was a uh, uh, there's a group on Facebook. Anyway, they had a discussion about um the flag and you know Colin Kaepernick kneeling and people not wanting to stand, et cetera. And so okay. I gave him a comment and I said, "Would you ask a Jewish man to stand, salute, uh, or anything, or sing the Nazi national anthem?" He said, "No." He said, "I said they went. I said they went through the Holocaust. I said, but what we went through was worse than the Holocaust." I said, "So you That's mean right. to tell me that you, you can't?" you know, feel the pain of, you know, a, a yes, black, quote-unquote, American not wanting to stand for the flag, but you wouldn't force a Jewish man to stand for the Nazi one? I said, but worse right. things happen to us under this flag. flag? And so we yes, had an sir. interview, and yes, um, but he I, was like, you know, yeah, he's like, I can't argue with that. I said, exactly, and and no white person come in after that because I was just like, yes, you sir. can't argue with that. You cannot tell me I got to stand for a flag right. when stuff happens right. worse right. than me. You know, then the Jews, yes, and I was just like, you can't do that, you know, and tell Brother people that Jay. they're wrong for not, you know, standing and stuff. That's outrageous, and it's it's, yes. it's stupid. But most people here know I'm for separation, so. Okay, Brother King, we're we're actually off the air. I was trying to get you to uh, close out, but I do want to oh, only okay, okay. one there were those who are, who are on the phone, but we're we're off the air on the internet. But I do want okay, to uh, thank you for so much for coming on, and we got to have you back again. Uh, very soon and uh, want to thank you I want to thank Brother Reuben Muhammad Sister Rona Muhammad Brother Terrence Muhammad and all that make elevated places possible may Allah bless us all with love and the light and the light of understanding as-salamu alaykum wa alaykum wa alaykum as-salam <laughs>